you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, this is DG Chichester, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Finley. And this is your Punisher host, Chris Marshall of the Collective Comics Library. And I am super excited uh, to have you on the show, Chris Marshall. This is your first episode with us, and this is also our first Punisher episode. However, we're labeling it Episode 7 because we're talking about the Epic Collections. So they are publishing them out of order. We are also producing our episodes out of order as well. So we are talking about a period of Punisher from 1992 to 1993. Now, Chris, you told me that you are a huge Punisher fan. Tell me, how huge of a Punisher fan are you? Well, I have been collecting Punisher ever since uh, I was a boy in the mid-1980s when the first... uh, Many, well, I first got wind of the Punisher when issue number one of his ongoing series came out. And I was at the Dearborn Comic Con, the old Motor City Comic Con. I'm in Detroit. And when I was there, number one had just come out that week. And so there were stacks of number ones going around. And my dad not only bought me that issue, but he plunked down a, a hefty $40 back in, what was it, 1987 uh, for the Punisher miniseries 1 through 5, which I still have the original issues of that. My dad was not happy about spending that kind of money on five comic books. (laughs) Because back then, that was like spending probably $70. Well, yeah. Punisher was so hot back then. But, you know, I'm like, Dad, if I'm having this one, I gotta have the miniseries. And uh, so I got six comics that day. Uh, and the number one I got for a cover price for whatever it was, you know, buck ninety nine or ninety nine cents, yeah. probably just uh, a dollar or but, something. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been a Punisher fan ever since, and uh, I have—I've said this on my show—but I own every single single issue of the Punisher and all his appearances. The only one I'm missing is Amazing One Twenty Nine, his first appearance. Oh. Uh, but I've got that in several other formats, including the Omnibus uh, and the Essential and, and reprints. Uh, and everything like that, and of course, I'll have it in the Epic Collection when we get that in December. <laughs> so, no, that uh, one, that one won't be in the one in December. Oh, it won't. No. The, oh no, no, no. That's starting with um, with the miniseries, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the volume right. two is coming out in December, which is the beginning of the miniseries. So, volume one will have his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man, plus a whole bunch of his cameo and guest appearances um, before he actually gets his miniseries. That's right. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I own I own a ton. I have, I have like four long boxes uh, and everything like that. But I am super excited. I'm so thrilled that you invited me on this episode to talk Epic Collections. I've been a big fan of not only this podcast 
but of course your Library of American Comics podcast, which I own a ton of those, and I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to get into that tonight because I don't want to get off track. Uh, so let's talk some Punisher. Yeah, so this is really exciting for me too to have such a um, a Punisher fan on the show because I know nothing about the Punisher because I have never really read any Punisher comics. In fact, I own one of the issues in this book that I got when I was, I don't know, 10 years old or something like that. And I thought that I had read it, but when I read, was reading through this epic collection, it was 100% unfamiliar to me. So I probably have owned that issue since I was 10 and have never, ever read it. <laughs> so, And it's interesting. It's just I'm not, um, I've never really been a fan of his style of vigilante justice how he goes and just kills people or whatever and and yep. um and that's just hasn't been my thing but i'm open to new things and that's one of the things i love about doing i totally a podcast. get that and and before we get into it there yeah totally and and before we get into it I, there are two different distinct punishers my punisher that i like of course everybody likes the garth ennis punisher the the vigilante the real down-to-earth nitty-gritty real world punisher I, my Punisher, I love him when he interacts with other superheroes and supervillains. You know, it's it's more fun. He's a little more playful. He pisses off Daredevil. I think that's hilarious. Uh, and, and that sort of thing. So that's what I like. But yeah, he does get a little too violent. And this one, he definitely gets really violent, uh, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Well, which I don't mind. I mean, I'm a big fan of 24. I love that show. And Jack Bauer yeah. is pretty much a Punisher character. True. the way they portray him especially the a lot of the the style of writing that comes in this book reminds me a lot of the way that those TV shows are kind of laid out and so that that's yeah that's that's what mm -hmm. I'm really excited about is um, diving into this seeing and as the as the volumes come out seeing how he progresses over through the 80s and through the 90s I just yep. was reading the Spider-Man epic collection Round Robin because Adam and I are doing an episode of that one pretty soon and Punisher is a guest star in the Round Robin miniseries. Yep. So I was reading these epics at the same time. And the portrayal of the Punisher in that one is so different than the portrayal of the Punisher in this book because he was in Spider-Man. And, uh, and and that's just a much more lighter, light, lighter, playful book. So he's not taken as seriously as he is in, in this one. So nice to see both of those sides. Correct. Yeah. Let's. Uh, why don't you tell me what are we reading in? Uh, what are we going to be discussing in this episode? So in volume seven, like you said, from 1992 to 1993, uh, we are going to be having on the back of the uh, book. It is uh, Punisher 63 through 75, which majority of that is the Eurohit storyline, which I really enjoyed. Punisher G Force, uh, Punisher Die Hard in the Big Easy, and Punisher Black Widow. Spinning Doomsday's Web. Now, the Punisher had several oversized hardcovers, as it was, and um, that's how they, they, you know, I think took license with him to be a little more violent and to use him a little more outside of the box and kind of get him away from uh, the superheroes in New York City and everywhere and kind of have him on his own, where it was really difficult to have him on his own in his own series. You always saw a supervillain pop up or the Kingpin, you know, someone like that, or a Daredevil or Wolverine or someone like that. Spider-Man, of course. Oh, he partnered with Moon Knight uh, on a few times. So here on these single issues, as it is, uh, you could expand the storyline and uh, have a little more play with him. What are your thoughts just on the collection in a, in a whole? I think that the reproduction is actually really nice in this. 
Uh, they've done a good job of cleaning up the art and, and uh, recoloring. Um, and the only real issue that I have is um, with uh, the Doomsday, Spinning Doomsday's web. Um, because that one was was originally published in full color process rather than full color, uh, four color mm. process, they just can't reproduce it the same way or recolor it, restore it the same way they do with the the rest of the book. So it looks a little bit different, not as crisp and clear, but it still, um, it still looks nice. It's certainly not uh, the worst reproduction I've ever seen. You know, I did not compare this with the original that I have. Is it a little more darker or lighter or different colors? Like, what do you mean by the color reproduction is a little bit off? You know? um, so m mostly it's noticeable in uh, the areas that you see um, anytime they use like a zipitone shading. Got it. Because okay. uh, when you, especially because this is shrunken down a little bit, it's not the mm -hmm. same size as it originally appeared. They had to scan these from the from their their color files. They they couldn't. Um, I, I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know the the process exactly, but they're not going back to the black ink and recoloring it from scratch because you have some really nice, beautiful watercolor colors in this in this issue. Mm -hmm. um, but when you shrink it down, especially with the Zipitone, if you don't have a, a, an exact copy or an exact scan and have those perfect circles, once you start shrinking it down, the, the circles start kind of bleeding together and forming new shapes. It creates this sort of optical illusion. And you can see that on page, um, on, the, on the cover, or on page 433, the inside cover that just yeah. has the big Punisher symbol on it. And in the background, it kind of looks a little polka dot. That's the optical mm -hmm. illusion that you get when you when you don't have a 100% good scan. So those are nitpicky Got things. It. Doesn't ruin okay. the story, yeah. um, but uh, it's just uh, it's just the fact of reproducing from full a full color, full process color uh, one mm -hmm. shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have any problems. Uh, this is my first Epic collection, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I mostly collect the hardcovers, and like I said, with Punisher, I collect everything... Uh, individually, right? Um, but I am going to be getting the the Punisher Epic collections, but um, and I do want to get some other ones like Moon Knight and Daredevil uh, down the road. Um, but the only thing I I really have a nitpick with this, and it's really comes down to continuity, right? Because uh, the way they uh, have the book laid out here, you know, with G Force beginning, there's one website that I follow called the Punisher Chronology. Go figure, uh, uh -huh. who has laid out everything. On, on the reading order of uh, Punisher, uh, including War Journal and War Zone and all his crossovers uh, appearances in Daredevil and Spider-Man and whatnot. But then, and this has been going on for a number of years, his website, but then you might recall, Curtis, a couple of years ago, Marvel had their own official index right. of the Marvel Universe. And yep. they did this for a number of characters, including Wolverine and Daredevil and Punisher. So if we look at where uh, G-Force falls, in the layout, it, it you know it and uh, it kicks off this story. Uh, G Force kicks off this epic collection exactly where it should be with um, this epic collection. So G Force, and then the next story we would get would be Punisher sixty three, and then so on. But on the Mar Marvel chronology, G Force takes place before Punisher sixty three. However, uh, we don't have War Zone or the Summer Special number two. So this is almost like I'm getting way ahead of myself here. And I wanted to save this for for last, but why don't we just do it now, uh, real quick? Do you think they should have 
added the war zone and war journal stories in these epic collections for crossovers and continuity sake, or is it best to be left off um, for their own epic collections? Yeah, that is a topic um, that that comes up time and time again. We see that with Amazing Spider-Man as well, because mm-hmm. there are collections like Cosmic Adventures where that that include the spectacular and web issues in there because it it has it's just one big long storyline. Or mm-hmm. um, in one of the cases with um, the X Men volume called Mutant Genesis, there are more X Factor mm-hmm. issues in there than there are X Men issues. So I think that they need to take it a case by case. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if they include all of War Journal and all of Warzone, then they are really bogging down the uh, like. It's going to be like <laughs> twenty volumes long <laughs> to, to try and oh, get through all sure. of Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I, I the the mandate I think for the epic collections has been to collect a singular title and add in the issues where they need to, um, if they need to, to preserve a storyline or or such. Yeah. I would love to see Punisher War Journal collected individually of this, like have an epic collection yeah. or at least a complete collection. I know they did that one volume that had Jim Lee, and that was really good. Right. But uh, that if they continue with those, I'd be perfectly fine with it. But so what sort of continuity issues are we talking about here? Well, I was going to say, just to follow up on what you were saying, the only problem I see with Punisher as far as crossovers go as epics collection uh would be suicide run which ran through all three titles and then the end when they canceled all three titles with the countdown series right i'd imagine that all of those would be collected in one in one epic collection could yeah could be and suicide run just came out last year in its own collected edition trade paperback right yes it did Um, yeah yeah so you know we'll we'll see what marvel does i'm you know they're the geniuses over there but um, yeah, just as far as continuity goes, I mean, G-Force is collected in the right place, uh, but there's some continuity issues regarding Die Hard and the Big Easy and then Spinning Doomsday's Web. That's really about it. And that again, that's being nitpicky. And it really doesn't matter because they are standalone stories. It's whatever, you, it's however you want to read it. And they're, I, I'll tell you this, that they are close enough in the way the Epic Collection is laid out the way the Marvel Handbook of the Marvel Universe is laid out and the way this Punisher chronology lays them out on their website, it's all very, very close. So I'm really not too worried about it. Yeah, I think that they are. They try to stick as close to um, release date order Mm -hmm. as they can. I think they favor that a little bit even more over the actual chronology, like uh, placing, placing them in actual order. Yeah. Um, especially with titles, because there are so many one-shot titles, they're not. I don't think that they're expected to really fit into what's happening in the main title at the time. They're just their own story, right? They are correct. Yeah. So yeah, they just uh, they just kind of stick them in the end in the beginning of these epic collections, and you will see that in all of these epic collections, they most of them start or end with either an annual or a one-shot or a graphic novel because those ones don't fit in with the main the main series storyline okay why, why don't we move on and talk about um, our Twitter poll now I had a hard time partly because I'm unfamiliar with Punisher coming up with a question for our <laughs> listeners for the for the Twitter poll for this for this episode you suggested a good question is like which of the three one shots do you like the best G-Force, 
spinning doomsday's, doomsday's web or die hard in the big easy now I was wondering how many votes we'd get with this because I don't know how many people have actually read this epic collection or this era of Punisher because it's not the most popular era of Punisher. We only got three votes in this <laughs> in this poll here. And they split them? <laughs> no, um, Die Hard and the Big Easy took two of the votes and G-Force took one of the votes. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, there we go. Uh, and it, So I was wondering which of these three is your favorite chris uh after you know after some careful thought uh i kind of liked uh the black widow uh doomsday's web one. okay yeah gotta say yeah interesting yeah. i think that i liked g-force the best that's what I thought you said because you, you, when you're when we were messaging back and forth, you thought it was a crazy story. Which it, <laughs> it is, is so. absolutely nuts. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was like this is exactly what I want comic books to be. Is just it's out there, um, and I don't need Punisher to be realistic and senseless. So sending him into outer space is like <laughs> people don't like Moonraker because James Bond went into outer space, but I think that one's great. <laughs> so it was a lot. It was a lot of Moonraker going on here. Yes, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in, in fact, I and we'll get into this when we talk about the issue, but I actually think that I liked Spinning Doomsday's Web the least out of the three of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll compare our notes when we get to the episode and find, find out why, I think. One other note, um, I asked for some comments on Facebook and I didn't really get a response from anybody uh, when I asked the question to give some comments. So we will skip over that part. Um, but I want you listeners out there, if you're Punisher fans, to start talking about Punisher with me because I want to know what I need to, what I what I should think about these this kind of stuff, <laughs> um, especially when we get into our other episodes. But oh, and also I I tried to reach out to Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, and Doug Braithwaite um, to talk uh, Braithwaite. I got to pronounce that right um, to talk about this book, but I didn't get a response from any of them. So I have no interview clips to to share with you on, with this episode unfortunately which is too uh, bad because i would have loved to talk to especially abnett and lanning since this is the actually their first pairing together yes that's true yep uh, and that would have been really interesting now there is a clip over on the comic shenanigans podcast my friend adam was able to interview dan abnett a few years ago and he talks a little bit about how how they came to be a partnership but they doesn't talk about punisher but i want to play that little clip um about how they they became partners and so i'll i think i'll insert that here in this spot about that time andy was a freelancer at uh, um uh marvel he was in fact he was drawing ghostbusters when i was editing it and we everybody would go down the pub at the end of the week and, and sit around and have those conversations and andy and i discovered we had very similar tastes in comics we'd grown up reading the same comics we were enthusiastic about the same things and we brainstormed i mean not for any purpose but we would sit in the pub and over a pint talk about what stories we'd love to do with what characters <clears throat> and um and they sort of suddenly became prospects for things we would actually do um we we always when we were working together we, we don't anymore we haven't for several years now but but when we were working together which was over a long period um uh we split the credit uh, simply because it was the easiest way of representing the, the, the two of us working on something. But actually, Andy is not a writer. I'm sure he'd tell you that himself. He's, he's an inked, he's an artist. He's, he's great with ideas. All the writing was done by me. 
um, uh, all the scripting, everything like that. So, so there was a, a, a slightly unequal balance in, in what we did, um, but we, you know, to the rest of the world, we did, we, there was no point trying to explain that on a cover credit or whatever. It, we were just the two of us were doing it, and we would get together on a regular basis and, and, and brainstorm ideas, and it, and it grew out of, of, a, of a sort of uh, a down the pub friendship when when I was an editor and and, uh, and right at the start of my career. Uh, he says one of the reasons why they don't, are no longer partners is because he was doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, and he that's too yeah. bad because we know that they they really took off when they did Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, that was, absolutely. And then and then us old school comic book guys were like, well, wait a minute, they did so much before that, you know? <laughs> yeah, they did so much before that I didn't even realize they did. Like I read Force Works when that was out, and I had no idea yeah. that. Abnet and landing was a was a thing, <laughs> and, right. and now well, and now that's I what's know. What's so great about these epic collections, and even to some extent the essentials, uh, you know, and, and the black and white ones, and the showcase presents at DC and everything. But it's so nice to have these affordable trade paperbacks as opposed to the giant omnibuses for one hundred and twenty five dollars, or even the masterworks for fifty seventy five dollars. I mean, these are great; they're very affordable. You get so much for the money, you know. Now you are lucky. I'm in Canada. And if you look mm-hmm. at the cover price on the back here, one of these is fifty-two dollars. Yeah, yeah. So the the exchange rate kills us. It's just the the markup. And then on Amazon Canada and Amazon.ca, we barely get a discount. Not like uh, you guys. It's not twenty-five dollars for us. It's like yeah. we, we get a discount. It brings it down to like forty-five bucks. <laughs> so oh, we do have to to shell out a little bit more up here, but it's still worth it because we're still talking about you know a two dollars and fifty cents per issue or something yeah. like that so it's it's not bad it's not bad well if i had any toonies or loonies i would send them to you because <laughs> okay. i can't really awesome <laughs> let's jump into the issues here let's talk about g-force uh let me see if yes. i can wrap up or kind of sum up this one issue as succinctly as I can, okay, and, and add in anything. Tell me if I'm missing anything here. So, a French cartel posing as a space exploration program is using a space station that has a laser on it to blow up rival cocaine dealers in their cocaine warehouses. Correct. <laughs> that just right there sounds absolutely nuts. <laughs> but it's What's even more amazing is how Frank gets wind of this operation. Yeah, yeah. Because right in the beginning, he is going after a pimp, basically. And uh, while he is in the car, uh, a body flies off the roof of a hotel or a penthouse or something like that and crushes the bad guy before Frank can even kill him. And then he investigates the murder of this girl yeah. And that's how he comes across his family um, uh, and the Franco Star uh, French Aerospace Company. Yeah, it's yep. just so. It, it, I like that it has to do with um, the French because it ties into the whole European theme of this book. Yep. So Mike Barron is the writer of this one, and yeah, he has a long history. He did the. Did he do the original miniseries, or did he do the ongoing series? Uh, he did the. I want to say he did the ongoing series 
Right, because the miniseries oh. was Mike Zeck and correct. That's what and I'm Steve thinking. Grant. Steve Grant. Yeah, they yeah, did. yeah. They, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I should. <laughs> you call yourself a Punisher fan. There's no, I'm, you know what? I, I've got comic book DB right in front of me, and I've got all these writers and artists and inkers and colorists in front of me, and I'm trying to keep everybody straight and everything. So. Yeah, it's um, there are a lot of people who've worked on Punisher over the years, but this one, it's nice to start this book off with with just a, a, a classic. It seems like a classic story. Like the Mike Barron really knows how to write the Punisher. I, I didn't feel like I was I had to know any backstory. I just I was introduced to him and I know who he is. And by sending him up into outer space and that being the first thing that I read of the Punisher, um, yeah. everything else is more is it feels more real. Uh, I got we got the ridiculousness out of out of the way at the beginning, and then everything moving forward after that is is much more. Um, it has down to it earth. has yeah more <laughs> literally down to earth. Literally, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm glad that they put that at the beginning and not at the end. I think it would have been a weird way to end this epic collection, mm-hmm. or like to put it at the end of the the previous volume, I guess, or something like that. Yeah. But there are some interesting things here. Like Punisher knows how to speak a lot of languages. And he also knows yep. how to be an astronaut. <laughs> the, the That one scene where he's put in the centrifuge. It's centrifuge, yes. Yep. <laughs> he can, how the hell does he, he can, get out of that thing? Yeah. I know, right? And he, just, and he can withstand it. I mean, people train for years and years to be able to withstand yeah. a centrifuge. And he's, he's, just, uh, he's just stuck in there. And he just kind of grins and bears it and he's okay he walks out of there just fine yeah. i mean that that is so james bondy and it's ridiculous yes you know so yeah yeah they absolutely. they they took a lot uh of liberty from the james james bond movies for sure so <laughs> oh man yeah i don't know that i have a whole lot more to say about this but um it was it was good solid fun well, let's get into the ongoing series because this is where it really takes off into the Eurohit storyline, um, and uh, and then in the the little three issue mini uh, that I like to to call, you know, when he comes back from from Europe. But this one, if I may, Curtis, going to sixty three. Yep, go is for that it. All right. Yep, absolutely. So uh, here we have Punisher sixty three, and it looks as though Frank is back in the United States. Uh, he is. Uh, this is written by Chuck Dixon. Uh, and pencils by Todd Smith, and this is uh, Frank is back in the states, uh, and they don't say that he was in Europe at all. So uh, they kind of just jump into it that he's out grocery shopping, and this is kind of a very self-contained. Frank goes into the grocery store, and the grocery store kind of gets uh, uh, there are some thieves in there that want to get. They want to basically they're out of drugs, and they want to hit the store for money to take the money and to go buy more drugs. But did, little did they know that Frank is in there. So <laughs> yep. uh, very much of a uh, hero out of place kind of thing. Bruce Willis, you know, diehard kind of thing comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Frank, but not only that, but this had shades of MacGyver all over it. Frank picks up, you know, everyday household items like a can of aerosol, sprays it in the guy's face and he, everything that he can use because he's not packing his guns or knives or anything like that, but he pretty much takes this gang down pretty easily. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he even has a lobster that he fights with. <laughs> so. yeah. This was, uh, I, I really like this issue. I felt like the last one, because it was so out there, 
I, I mentioned that it gave me a good sense of who the Punisher is, but this one really shows me what his moral code is. He mm-hmm. pro- like how he protects the innocents, but he has no time to waste on on guys that let our that are breaking the law like it he he i think he kills all of them except for maybe one guy correct yeah and he really goes after him it yeah. was actually i was actually very surprised because i know that in the like the war and alice ones those ones he's killing people left and right and he's like the violence is off the scale because it's a modern comic and i think it was even was it max a max comic marvel max the max kind was the uh that was the garth ennis one oh yeah yeah i, I expect that from them but this is still Marvel under the comic code, and I was actually surprised at how violent it got, um, because I thought mm-hmm. that they would have toned that down. Um, but uh, but it is like there's just there's on panel deaths, shooting people yeah. right right in the chest, and yeah, uh, so that was that was a little shocking to me. But I mean, uh, it just reinforced Punisher who he is and why he does what he does, and and that he's not taking any prisoners. Yeah, it also kind of, uh, I guess, you know, if, if Frank is trying to be inconspicuous, uh, you know, he's got his Punisher T-shirt on underneath his jacket that is pretty much <laughs> exposed, uh, which I think is pretty funny too. So he just doesn't care. I guess but, not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like the bait and switch at the end where we think that he's taking the money and running, like he's taking right. advantage of the situation. But he just takes the lobsters. And he, he takes the lobsters. He takes the lobsters so he can have dinner. And I think that's that's the kind of moral high ground that he stands. It's like he's defeating the villains. He doesn't have a steady income, so he will steal food so he can eat. But he's not yeah. going to steal a large sum of money uh, that because the grocery store still needs to you know survive <laughs> that's their whole right their because whole he, he he robs from the from the villains he doesn't rob from the the stores but you know he figures you know i'm going to get paid either way and he and microchip are going to have a nice lobster dinner when they get back yeah. so that's <laughs> so good the one thing i wanted to point out was the uh at the end they have this wonderful pinup um from bob mcleod did the inking and jan win what a fantastic uh uh talk about violent too um, you know, hanging off the edge of a helicopter uh, and uh, going at these criminals. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful uh, pinup at the Very end. Very dynamic. So. Now, mm-hmm. is this, uh, I know at some point, uh, sometimes, like I know the, the back covers of Excalibur, I think maybe in this era, didn't have an ad on the back. They had a pinup. Do you know if this issue... This could have been that. Yeah? Yeah, this could have been it. Yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, because I think all of these Euro hit issues have pinups at the very end of them mm-hmm. maybe maybe not all of them i'm looking at the ahead and the, i don't so think that's all good of them question. Do. before we move into euro hit euro hit and you this is where your epic expertise comes in right so you have done every single epic collection to come out i believe um but with that there's always a major story arc in these epic collections right but yet it seems to me that the epic collection itself does not have the overall arching storyline title for the title of the epic collection. For example, the overall storyline here in this book is the Euro hit storyline. However, uh, it is called Capital Punishment. What do you make of that? I was actually surprised that they called it Capital Punishment. I I would have thought that they would have called it Euro hit because okay. um, like the the Incredible Hulk issue that has the future imperfect 
two Correct. part miniseries is called Future Imperfect. And uh, like the Return of the Sinister Six Spider Man epic collection is named after the main story arc in that one. Like, the, it's not that they don't do that. Like, uh, Captain America the Bloodstone Hunt, that one is, called, is titled appropriately. But yep. yeah, I think that they just wanted to have the word punish in the title. So they used capital punishment. Oh, very clever. I didn't even think about that. Because they did that like a couple of times with both Moon Knight's volumes have moon in the title, Bad Moon Rising and Shadow of the Moon or something oh, like that. Got um, it. And I think that they, I think that's just what they wanted to do. Because Capital Punishment is the title of one of the chapters in Eurohit, and maybe Eurohit just isn't a, an invigorating title. Maybe it's not compelling enough to get people to buy the the issue, but or the the book. But Capital Punishment sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed that that, and I have it in my notes somewhere that Eurohit was the name of the issue, Punisher seventy one, and that is also where you get capital punishment so you get both titles in the same issue um at different points right so that which is interesting so 64 you want to hit on 64 and euro hit uh right off the bat i just want to say that i loved this storyline it Mm -hmm. it uh the 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 premise of jumping from country to country in each issue each issue being in a different country was was really fun it definitely puts limitations for the writers on uh, the way they tell their story and the things that they can do because they mm-hmm. have to be traveling between issues but uh, the concept worked well and i liked the idea so the or the overall plot of the euro hit story is that kingpin has hired a hitman named snakebite to 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 kill off some of the rival european cartel leaders and um, his, his the the kingpin's end goal is to try and unify um, all of the European crime mobs and then take over all of European crime. And uh, so in this first part, Punisher and Micro go to um, Britain. I think yep. that's right, right? Britain. Well, Frank Frank is in pursuit of a villain. So he's looking for a snake bite. Yes. And he gets rescued by this guy who claims to be the British Punisher. <laughs> he calls himself Outlaw. Um, his real name is Nigel, and he introduces them to just uh, the, the whole the whole plot here. Um, I, I like this character. I think he was kind of funny. He's got a good sense of humor, but they don't really use him very well in this story. He's just kind of... They introduce him in this first chapter, and he comes back at the end, but he's just kind of um, kicking around for the rest of the time. Nigel Outlaw plays a significant part in the Suicide Run storyline, which takes place after this. Yeah, well, several issues after this, yeah. So you'll see Outlaw again, and he plays, like I said, a much more prominent role. That's nice. Yeah, I'd be interested to learn more about him and his character. So Mm -hmm. the... The the Punisher's is uh, he finds out that the the that Snakebite is going to try and take over construction of the tunnel, which I guess is being built at this time. The the tunnel was built in the nineties, right? Yeah. So that was very um, for continuity's sake, for real continuity's sake. This story takes place. Uh, the structural operation. I looked this up on Wikipedia of you know the greatest places ever. Yep. It was <laughs> the the tunneling began in nineteen ninety. 
Okay. And it was still under operation until 1994. So at this point, when this comic book was written and released, it would have still have been under construction. Wow. So this is very real worldish yeah. right there. And and by and by this point, there was a connection between uh, France and England. So the, he Snakebite escapes into France, and that's exactly how it could have taken place. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yes, of course, absolutely. Kingpin would be interested in an underground tunnel that connects England to France. Like, how perfect of a smuggling ring would that be? Um, oh my God! Yeah, it's just a it's just a great idea, uh, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that they thought of that. And so, oh, one thing to note is that Abnett and Lanning are British themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's probably one of the main reasons why they wanted to bring Punisher to Europe is because uh, um, that's the playground that they're most familiar with. So they, they could uh, write a good story based in their own their own backyard. So one of the little continuity things that I kind of picked up on, and I was when I was reading G when I read G Force and then I read this, you know, it kind of said like the five crime families of Europe or the, the six crime families, you know, throughout Europe and everything. In, the, in our first story in G-Force, that major crime family uh, of Europe, uh, you know, the French, was this uh, Willie Chauvin. Right. Uh, I'm saying his name right. But of course, we know that Frank destroyed that family, basically, and all of their empire. So by the time this comes along, uh, for the continuity junkies, we have a new French crime family. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So if you want to really get deep and really meta into it, that's, that's kind of how I looked at it. So that is why the, the family in, the, in G-Force is out. Wow. They are no longer a crime family. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. What did you think of having the real-world dates? At, for example, Punisher 64 takes place on August 23rd. And then throughout the storyline, we have actual dates, uh, which is, I think it's really interesting whenever you see this in in comic books, not just in, in here, but in Marvel and DC and, and other comic books. I like that um, I because I think that this kind of story can't happen in, in, in two days. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of the problem I often have when I'm watching a movie like Die Hard. It's like you... You have um, this most unbelievable. Well, Die Hard's a bad example, I think. But um, like you, you have a, a a huge plot, and all of the from the the moment the police discover what's going on to the conclusion of the movie happens like in a day and a half. And like there's there's so much more that should okay. be able to happen with that. And so to put the dates in here to show that it actually has been um, a, a long period of time. Let's see what is the final date on the last issue here. I think he says it's been like 30 days or something like that. Or one month. One month. Uh, Punisher 69, 6 of 7. Uh, one month has passed since Frank began uh, the story. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. I think that um, it shows that this is this is something that he's really devoting yeah. a lot of time to. And it plays up later when he goes back uh, to America and it, his his disappearance has actually been felt. Correct. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Punisher 65, this takes place in France. Punisher is in pursuit um, of the one woman. Uh, what is her name? She gets kidnapped. Morgan, right? Morgan, yeah. Uh, Morgan is kidnapped by Snakebite. Of course, the villain has to take away the lady in distress, uh, take her across uh, into the channel, and Frank follows her into France. 
And, you know, what's interesting here is also we get little blurb boxes throughout uh, saying that the events in this story takes place before Daredevil 300. So I'm not sure what happened in Daredevil 300, but... That's the one where Daredevil kills the Kingpin. Uh, spoiler that's alert. Why. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, spoiler alert. No, that is great. And so, that's kind of why this one has to take place before that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. They do because... If I would say that um, Punisher fans are probably fans of Daredevil at this as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's important to make that distinction. If if Spider Man killed Kingpin, maybe that wouldn't have been as necessary to say. But people are continuity nuts, so it's good to know. Yeah. Oh, that's good to have. So when Frank follows Snakebite back to Europe, um, first of all, we should point out that I love the fact that each of the issues, the covers have a uh, a flag. So, for example, um, Eurohit uh, number one has got all the flags in the background, but yet the splash panel has got the skull overlaid on the uh, Union Jack. Right. Uh, which is great. So, and, and then in volume number two, we have Rapido on the cover of 65, right? Yep. And then uh, the Punisher skull is overlaid on the French flag. Right. Uh, so that's kind of how they do it, which is really, really cool. Um, and, and also it says, now on sale twice a month. So they really wanted to get the story out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marvel did that during the summer months during these years. They did. They would um, yep. up their publishing by uh, to buy weekly so they could get, uh, get big stories out in a quick amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so what was really cool here is uh, Frank kind of follows... Snakebite back to his, you know, uh, hideout or lair, which is like a big mansion. And there we find um, his uh, group of uh, criminals, including Shafard, who is a hacker, Rapido, who is on the cover of this one, who is a weapons expert, and Batrock, who is an assassin. And we'll know Batrock from the Captain America um, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yes. You might know, but I don't even think they say his name in in that movie, do they? They do. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he plays a fairly small role at the beginning, but he's pretty cool. Um, yeah, he's definitely cool. I yeah. found it very interesting that he appeared in this book because he's often played as kind of a joke character. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, he actually is... He's grounded as much as everything is grounded in the Punisher world here. He yeah. is a much more serious threat, even though he's still wearing his purple spandex. <laughs> but, it's an awful outfit. Yep. You know. But he's still, yeah, he's still, he's still great. And I should point out that Rapido, we talked a little bit about Suicide Run. Rapido also makes a significant appearance in the Suicide Run uh, later on. Oh, okay. So keep a for him. Oh, they were able to, so Frank say, they fight, of course, and Frank and Morgan is able to pull a hit list uh, from Snakebite. So Snakebite is on a, has this hit list of these other crime families that he is going to go around Europe and uh, and kill, so he becomes the basically the kingpin of Europe. And here we also find out that um, he is deep in cahoots with the kingpin yeah. of uh, kingpin of crime, uh, Wilson Fisk. So um, two things that I I just absolutely yeah. love Dougie Braithwaite's artwork. He is mm-hmm. so incredibly good. Um, that motorcycle splash at the beginning of this issue is just fantastic. 
Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, looking yeah, at it right now. Just That's on page fantastic. 102. Yeah, it's so, so good. And he just has such a good style. It's it's laid out. He's he's very concise with the way he tells his story uh, and lays out his panels. And, like, the fight on page 104, just the little fight that Snakebite and, and Punisher have... They don't. You don't even need words to explain what's going on. You can follow the action mm-hmm. super well. He he's really really good. He's also a British guy, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't know what else he does really, but because I haven't really looked him up, but um, I'd be tempted to follow his career because he's just fantastic. I I love the way he does Batroc as well, because he makes him look serious. Everything, all of the acting that Doug does with with Batroc is not goofy. So the just right, the mannerisms yeah. and his posturing and and the fights that come up later down the road, like he takes this character seriously. And and it really shows. And it and the same thing happens with Trancha later on down the road too. Oh yeah, we'll get into that fight. That was an epic fight. Absolutely. Yeah, with when I think when they found out that they were going to use Batroc, they decided to make him more of a serious character even though he looks kind of goofy and make the other two henchmen kind of like the the oddballs yeah because you got to take uh Batroc very seriously and and frank does he knows of his reputation right for sure so this issue kind of ends with them uh flying over uh germany and that's how we get from france into germany uh, which it's snowing in Germany in August, which I found was interesting <laughs> <laughs> right well maybe um in the mountains it it's just always snowing. I don't know much about Germany's terrain, so I can't say that uh, whether it's accurate yeah. or not. But yeah, in this next one, issue number 66, they are captured and have to face this this big Russian... No, I guess he's German. This big German guy that they call the Black Bear. No, I think he's, I think he's Russian, but they're in Germany. Okay, that makes more sense because the bear yes. is often portrayed as um, a Russian is also often portrayed as a bear. Yeah, because he comes in at one twenty-five and says comrades. Oh yeah, he says uh, comrades. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, just fooled me because we're in Germany. So this is kind right. of the meeting, a meeting of some crime bosses where Kingpin is trying to infiltrate and get some information. Mm-hmm. The bear is very, very formidable. Um, I liked how his kind of commanding presence and how fierce he is. He he's definitely a threat. Um, and I love the scene here where um, he throws a guy out the window and Batroc's just kind of standing on the ledge there. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like, kind of like, oh, man, I better not cross this guy. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bear, uh, he doesn't really care. He is his own villain and he is going to, you know, and, and even when he meets Frank and uh, and Morgan, uh, I got the feeling that he knows what's going on and he can kind of manipulate everything. You know, he, he's like, I'll have none of this. He's like, I'm going to be the winner. He's just going to own, own this, whatever is going to go on. He is going to own it. Yeah. And, but Kingpin will have none of it because Kingpin orders a hit on bear even. So, um, you know, Kingpin wants him out of the way. So it's villain versus villains kind of thing, man. And his, his death is brutal. At the end of this Isn't issue. It? Yeah. <laughs> and fine. Frank basically helps Kingpin out here. That's the interesting part is because... Unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to Frank. Yeah. You know, so. Well, in the whole time, it's it's an interesting thing because usually Frank wants to take out the crime bosses. But in this story, he's actually trying to save them. Yes. 
Yeah. Because he knows that I guess Kingpin's a bigger threat than that. Uh, so yeah. it's it's kind of uh, throws the whole situation on his head. Uh, Frank's not doing what he normally does. Um, one thing that I absolutely love through this is that anytime there's some major action, and like Punisher has some great one-liners in this, but anytime that there's actual serious fighting, there's no dialogue or very very sparse dialogue. Very Dan yeah. Abnett knows when to to stop talking, and the scene in the snow where the dogs are chasing him and he's like hiding in a tree and stuff um, popping up under the snow. It's just fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's no, right excellent. out of Rambo yeah. right there. Like out of first blood. Yeah. Even on the, I was looking at before you mentioned that I was looking at on one forty two when they're just fighting hand to hand at the top there. Yeah. And the punches are just being thrown. And then um, I don't know if you want to spoil how bear dies, but it is, it is, the most brutal thing that is off panel that you'll ever not see. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. Nowadays, I think um, some artists and fans would revel in, in seeing the actual gory action, but um, it's, it's pr- quite effective in this one. Yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to number 67? Yeah. Pursuit into Switzerland. So Punisher and Morgan, I guess that I can't, I always forget her name. Morgan Sinclair. That's Morgan Sinclair. Yeah. yeah, Sinclair. That's what he always calls her. Frank and Sinclair are uh, tracking Snakebite to Switzerland. They have this whole plan. That I like the way they kind of have, are telling what's going on as the action is happening. Uh, they, they have they're they're going to take him out, but then all of a sudden their plan gets a little uh, screwed up. Well, I thought it was interesting uh, that uh, well the reason why they're in, in Switzerland they they keep on following this list of hit targets. Uh, so that's a, their next target would be in Switzerland. So that's why they're there. And this is where we find out that the Kingpin actually owns 90% of the channel, which is quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Morgan sort of tries to take matters into her own hands, which I thought was... She's an interesting character. Her 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 mm-hmm. story went from her being a very passive character to getting more and more... I, well, just braver and uh, willing to take things into her own hands as the story goes along over the course of this month. Mm-hmm. So we we get a meeting of Snakebite, Rapido, and Batrock all kind of fighting together. And um, and did some really, really nice actions, nice car chases. Um, Doug's art again is just is just fantastic through this whole issue as well. Yeah, this issue for me was probably the low point. It's almost like the interlude of getting to the next story yes. uh, or the next chapter kind of thing. So, you know, it's almost like we've had so much action already and it seemed like they were just kind of like almost shoehorning some action in here just to do it <laughs> with Batrock and, and Frank fighting on a, in a car. And, I mean, it's an epic fight for sure, but uh, it's kind of like... Uh, no, you're right. This issue you know, and the next issue um, are definitely set up for issue six and yeah. seven because that's where the big payoff is. Yeah, but at the end of this one, Frank, uh, they find uh, Tarantula. They they go into this room uh, pursuing uh, where they need to go next, and Tarantula is there. Yeah, and he's taken to Spain. Now to Spain. I've never really been a big fan of Tarantula. Again, because he's, he's often kind of played up as a kind of a goofball character. 
but in this one, it really showed me, you know, how serious we should take tarantula. And I was reading the the the, the episode that I recorded before this one was um, Return of the Sinister Six. And in that, there's a three-part story where Spider-Man loses his powers, and one of the villains he has to fight is Tarantula. So again, I'm reading Tarantula in two different books at two different times, and that one, mm-hmm. he um, he's definitely a formidable uh, force to be reckoned with for a Spider-Man who doesn't have any powers. But in this issue, in this book, it was actually interesting to see him on the good side. Um, he sides I was going to ask you that. Yeah, so how do you take Tarantula? Uh, is he a vigilante? Is he a villain? Is he an anti-hero? You know, what do you, what do you make of him? Because he's, he's been around for a number of years uh, being used as backup uh, villain, and, you know, he's been in Spider-Man several times. So. Yeah, well, he's still a villain, even in this book, because Frank right. Frank is protecting the villains, and his employer is one of the, is the, the Spanish crime family. Mm-hmm. So he's going. To, he's still a villain, but he just because he's siding with Frank, he appears to be taking the role of the protagonist. Whereas Batroc is employed by Kingpin, so he's the antagonist. Um, but Got he's it. still he's still a villain. But he's and he's serving himself because if uh, Punisher doesn't protect them, then you know he's going to die. He, and it's interesting because later on he has a. Like Punisher saves him from death, and then Tarantula returns the favor. So it's not like he's an amoral character. So mm-hmm. I think I need to read more stuff with Tarantula in it to see to find out more about him. I found it interesting up to this point when they go to Spain and they find out more of Morgan Sinclair's uh, family or family friends. That for somebody who's an engineer that works in the Channel, she has a lot of connections in the underworld. It's probably why she was employed. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Only criminals are working in on the channel. And I like how they go to Spain to go see Uncle Paco. I thought Uncle Paco was a the greatest name so far. So <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he runs a Spanish syndicate. <laughs> so we're we are officially in issue sixty eight now. Sixty eight, Spain. I'm sorry, yes. Um just kinda flying through here. This is great. Because yeah, these issues they just work so well together. This is a really good graphic novel. I guess if you want to, like the six issues or the seven issues that put that uh, that make up this story, it's just a yeah. You really know, good, tight, solid you make story. up a good point. So, so before I read this epic, I I had just picked up Suicide Run, and I'm like, boy, your hit would make a great single trade paperback. Yeah, of the just these of the just these stories. Yeah, so it I think it goes well uh, because at the end it leads into the next story arc so well. And having G-Force here and having him in Europe works well. and uh, But so this, it works great. I, you could read this, just these seven issues, or you could read this as part of, of the Epic Collection. I think it works either way. And I'm surprised that Eurohit hasn't had more, like it's not one of the more popular Punisher stories. And I mm-hmm. don't know if you can say that there are Punisher, like classic Punisher stories, except for maybe the miniseries and Suicide Run. That's all that I really know. And even Suicide Run was... It was it was good, but it's known for being the first real major crossover between all three issues. Yeah, that's really you know, and and Frank's not really even in it. It's all these supporting characters. Okay, like Rapido and Outlaw and everything like that. So huh. oh yeah, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. So I think uh, that I think Marvel should probably just package these seven issues together. 
I think the, mm-hmm. the Punisher fans would like that because mm-hmm. the rest of it's just kind of fluff. Um, I mean, not right. not fluff, but it's not important. Like you could get rid of it and it's fine. Although I have to say that I think I like the the police story better than the Euro hit story. But we'll get into that a little bit better a little bit later. Yeah, exactly. So one thing we should point out here is that uh, Tarantula turns more or less into a good guy and saves Morgan from uh, Batrock and uh, a charging bull, <laughs> right? Or bulls. And uh, this kind of, uh, and then Frank is um, fighting the uh, the Matador, who is the nephew, um, who is you know kind of like the, uh, I guess the Al Pacino of the family. He's the up and coming crime boss, and uh, he gets taken out uh, in a bad way by a bull, which is no surprise. We kind of saw that one coming right from the beginning. Yeah, uh, in the opening pages, when when we meet him, when he's the bullfighter and Frank shows up, it's like oh, I bet he gets hit by a bull, and sure enough, he does. <laughs> um, so, un- unlike unlike Bear in the previous storyline, where we did not see that one coming, how he was right. going to die. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, they all seem to get away in a uh, in an airplane, and uh, including um, Frank and everybody, and they are off to. Um, Oh, where are they off to? They're back, they going back to London. Back, they're going back to London. That's where the jolly old London. So, yeah, because I think these final two issues take place in London, because that's where the whole yep. the whole showdown is going. Now, this next issue, number what are we on now? Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Um, yeah. Kingpin has ordered the meeting of all of the main crime family heads. He's going to take mm-hmm. them all out, all in one place. But at the same time, he's ordered, or he's uh, organized a rooftop, a rooftop party for a bunch of different important political figures, so that he has an alibi when this stuff happening several uh, stories below is going on. This this is my favorite issue of out of all of these seven Me issues. Too. It's so Absolutely. so yeah. well done. It's told in this like Italian job kind of style story <laughs> where the action is going on. And like they have this very intricate plot where everybody has their own thing to do. They all split up, and Punisher is explaining what to do. But then we're also seeing the action happening live, um, so that it's not kind of boring to 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 watch. And mm-hmm. it's just exciting. The whole thing, the the tension that that happens here, especially when um, when Punisher first shows up in the boardroom meeting. And Snakebite pops in and like, what's going to happen here? I have no idea. It was just anything could happen. And and Tarantula fighting Batrock, what a great scene there. Um, oh, I, it could have been a whole episode just on those two guys fighting. Yeah. What a great, what a great, uh, the way just it was laid out in the fights. And they kept on, it, it reminded me of, you know, almost like a Star Wars type where they'd cut away from the fight, then come back to the fight cut away and see what Frank is up to yeah. and then come back. You know, it was kind of like that. So it's like you want to read through it and, and see how this is going to end. But I want to go back, Curtis, to the very beginning. I love this cover. Okay, uh, It's so subtle. There is absolutely no action, but you have this giant uh, face of the kingpin in the background. you got Frank with a gun ready to go to war, and then you've got Tarantula and Outlaw in the back. And if you are just seeing this on the cover or in the comic book shop and you are not picking up Punisher, you are, this is, no action is action to me on this cover, right? I mean, you are, you're like, what the heck is going on here? Because something's going to go down. And 
Yeah, plus it you says know, capital sacri- punishment on the cover as well. Oh, that's and that's where your capital punishment comes from. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is where this is where it says when they're in the boardroom, they say there's a Euro hit going going on. Yeah. So that's yeah. where we get both titles of uh, coming in the books in the in the book and the storyline. Yeah. It is interesting to see uh, Tarantula looking so badass on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> just it is with yeah, all his arsenal and, and stuff. He's kind of a poser, really. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good. And there's that one scene, uh, the one panel on page 201 where Punisher and Outlaw and Tarantula are coming out of the floodgate yes. and they're just they're just walking in like they own the place. It's just yeah. so yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Tarantula says Good luck, amigos. Like, they're all buddies. And Frank's like, yeah, you know, do this right, and we won't need any good luck. So, you know, he'll have none of it. So he just <laughs> wants to he just wants to get going. Yeah, the fight uh, between Tarantula and Batrock. Like, I honestly did not know who was going to win this fight. Like, someone, you, you would think by reading this that someone, I mean, they're both going to walk away. We know that. But I wasn't sure who was going to win this fight or yeah. how it was going to end. It's interesting having them fight together because they both rely on their feet so much. Because Mm -hmm. Batroc, his form of fighting, it all is to do with kicking. And Tarantula has his uh, poison spikes in his feet. Yeah. Um, So all of his, like, that's his main, his main weapon. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. This was, this was such an exciting, um, exciting issue. Yeah, I, I even love the ending of this one where Frank is by the elevator and uh, the elevator opens up, and who's there but Kingpin? Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, man, so here we go. And then the cover for 70, the fight continues between Batrock and and, uh, and Tarantula. And it looks like someone's dead on the ground. I wouldn't even know who that would be. Uh, and then Frank just in his position, just ready to fight. So, yeah. But it's interesting to have two villains on the cover fighting. Yeah, getting the taking up more space than Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. How often do we see two villains fighting on a cover? And not only that, um, but it's the Tarantula and Batrock of all people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of those two guys. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So here we are back in London. This is kind of like the uh, conclusion to everything. It all comes down to, like we said, the the fight between Tarantula and Batrock. Tarantula basically gets the best of uh, Batrock uh, with his poison feet slicing up in his chest but we know Batrock will live to see another day and we know Tarantula lives but it really comes down also to Frank and Snakebite and Kingpin and how all of this is going to be solved with uh, even Rapido in there and uh, you know poison gas is going off and pretty much it, it pretty much ends the way we expect to Snakebite gets how does he get killed Curtis I forget oh okay so this oh, is one of the issues I had with this um with this story is that actually it's very kind of hard to read it's hard yeah. to read how he, he gets impaled by like a rusty metal pipe in the face that's right that's right yeah. but you'd have to kind of read it I had to read it a couple times to actually figure out what was going on yeah because he's hanging there that's right and they all kind of get away and even Kingpin gets away of course uh, but you know like you said earlier in the show uh, he'll meet his demise in Daredevil 300. But I thought it was interesting that they all escape on these wing suits. Yeah, that was weird too. Yeah, suits that are bright white. It's like, and they just fly down to the battle van, and, and Micro picks them up, and they all go quietly away. Um, 
that was um it seemed very out of place because we are so grounded in reality and everything that they've yeah. used all the yeah. hardware that they've used is actual real stuff and then we get these weird glider suits yeah yeah that was strange but then the the closing scene is frank and micro back at the uh heathrow airport and they're in pursuit uh pursued by interpol but uh, basically they are let go and they said you know never come back get the hell out of here uh, go back to America and and uh, Micro and Frank get on the plane, which leads us directly to the next uh, episode, which is great. So the big question I have is how does Punisher, like I don't think he can get all of his massive uh, stashes, <laughs> caches of arsenal across, uh, like through security. Yeah. How did he get all of his stuff while he was in Europe? Where did it all come from? That's a darn good question. So it's almost like a, a John Wick move where he has to go over to Europe and buy everything with a gold coin. <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of thing, because he can't bring it on the plane with him. Yeah, I think so. But I thought, you know, going into... So that's the end of Eurohit. So it was a great story. Uh, like we said, it could be self-contained. So what's really cool is, and I didn't even realize this, so they leave in issue 70 to get on the plane, and literally in the next uh, two pages... They are in America looking for their car to get uh, out of, what is it, JFK, I assume. Right. And here they run into a bunch of thugs that are basically hijacking some drug dealers. And uh, they meet, what the heck is his name? Um, uh, Recoil. Recoil. And, yeah, Recoil comes around. So, re- so here we have characters that are being introduced by Abnett and Lanning. We are all going to see... Uh, basically their conclusion comes suicide run. And I would kind of go back to that, but if you are liking this storyline as you're reading it and want to read more Punisher, I would just stick with it and go right into the next episodes, whether you read them digitally or uh, pick up suicide run. Is suicide run an Abnet and landing story? No, that was, um, that actually was, let me pull it up. Cause I think it was Mike Bear, or Steve Grant and Chuck Dixon and Larry Hama. Oh, okay. Um, with Hugh Haynes and uh, John Buscema uh, does that. So there is no Abnett or Lanning. Jimmy Palmiotti does the inks. But it sounds like it just uh, it picks this. up a lot of what um, Abnett and Lanning start here. It does. And I should say, I should point out that this title uh, collects uh, Punisher 85. So this one ends at, what do we say this one ends at? This one uh, ends 75. at 75. Yeah, so there's 10 issues missing uh, between here and there, and uh, that's why it's going to make an interesting epic collection to see if they're going to... They, they would have to pick up right here and then probably carry those 10 issues and then these issues in Suicide Run, I would imagine. How many pages is the um, Suicide Run book? Suicide Run is... Let's see, with extras... Uh, I'm not getting... I want to say 200 or so. Okay, so they could probably... yeah. Um, Suicide Run could be the very next volume of this book then. It could be volume 8. Yeah, I think so. So volume 8, that would be volume 8. Yeah. It de- like, you know, and as we alluded to in the beginning of the show, uh, it depends on if they have other um, uh, graphic novels if right. they want to, to throw in there. They probably so. do. There's probably a million of them because Punisher had so many during this period. Right. Well, you know, if they do that, um, after Euro hit, just looking at the continuity, they have Ghosts of the Innocents 1 and 2, uh, the Punisher Annual Number Five. Then they gets into the Dead Man's Hand crossover with oh, Daredevil. Of course, and Nomad. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, there's a couple of uh, back to school specials. Oh, okay. As well. So I would imagine that Suicide Run would be probably volume nine. Could there's, be. There's enough content yeah. there that to fill up a a whole a whole other volume yeah. before they get to Suicide Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in issue seventy one, just returning to this one, <laughs> let's get back to uh, Sorry. this epic yeah. collection. That's okay. Part of this story has Punisher. He decides to be more proactive. Crime has now, since he's been gone in Europe, crime has gotten out of control. So yeah. he's just going to go and take out everyone. And he's very creative about it. The one I love the most is that he ties a tiny, tiny tripwire to a rose. And as a, guy, as a guy who, one of the crime lords who loves gardening, as he's pruning his roses, he accidentally cuts the line and blows himself up. Oh, and I like, know. That how, was crazy. Yeah. But, but the Punisher had to sneak into the building in order to wire that flower and set the charges yeah he should have just snuck in there and just shot the guy <laughs> instead yeah, of being so exactly. creative <laughs> yeah but uh it it that's not as interesting it's not as flashy that's for sure so i'm assuming also that this issue takes place after the fall of kingpin i think he makes a reference in here that the kingpin's gone i can't remember maybe maybe he didn't, I didn't catch that okay yeah that would make sense, though. Yeah. yeah. So. Also in this one, I don't know how deep into trouble Frank usually gets, but Micro makes a comment that he wants to actually have an alibi. Uh, he wants to go out of town so that uh, when, when Punisher starts doing what he's doing, he is not going to get in trouble for it. So I thought that was interesting. This this is real serious business that, that Frank's getting into now. Right. Well, Micro does have a family. He's got a son. Um, which plays a larger part uh, in more recent episodes of Punisher in the past uh, five years or so. But, yeah, I mean, these two issues were probably the most violent. They, he definitely goes on a crazy, crazy rampage. Yeah. And there is, and besides that, there isn't too much to say about it. Uh, there isn't really a plot other than he's going around and beating everybody up and, and killing everybody and, you know, getting the bad guys. So... Yeah, um, it's all set up for these for this next issue, uh, these next three issues, which are called Police Action. Police Action. Oh, no, no, yeah. the next one isn't even Police Action. No, Police Action begins in uh, 73. Yeah. Yeah. So in yep. 72, which is called Life During Wartime, um, Frank follows this gang uh, that killed the teens uh, in the previous issue. He tracks them down, and this entire issue is just a giant chase, and yeah. there's not much point to it. But boy, is it exciting! Like I just uh, the the pacing of it is just incredible, and and the way that they use the words, and again um, the times when they they stay silent, like during the car chase, used to great effect. Um, there are a few teams that are just. Uh, that works so well together with the writing and the artwork to create such an exciting, exciting experience. Yeah. Like I could feel these cars going fast. It was just so good. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I thought that the greatest, you know, we, we always get these crazy names for villains, but I have to say the, the villain here, which is, um, uh, MC, which yeah. goes by which goes by Master of Crack. Yep. Mind that controls and Maestro of Corruption, but Master of Crack. 
what what a fantastic name for a drug lord. I mean, my God, you can't you can't make this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that he na- he pretty much names himself. Yeah, he it's it's pretty good. So at the end of this issue, the police, uh, one of uh, I guess he's a senator. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess he's a senator or local congressman or something like that. But while he's in, while Frank is in pursuit, he the he chases a kid through the window right when this guy's giving an anti-violence and anti-vigilante. You know, he wants to have gun control laws and and that sort of thing. Um, but then when Frank kind of crashes the party, this is where he sets up a new police task force called uh, Vigil. And, uh, yeah, these, these guys, and these guys are pretty much crazy, I gotta <laughs> they say. Are. It's funny that they his are. answer to his answer to stopping the violence is to hire um, some ultra-violent people <laughs> to, to take care of the situation. Well, very RoboCop-ish. It's very RoboCop, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Except without the cyborgs. But yeah, so that takes us right into issue number 73. Yeah, so 73, we see the beginning of Vigil. Uh, it's her first full appearance. The leader... Oh, here's where we get uh, MC. I'm sorry, uh, Master of Crack. Uh, the leader here is Rusty Nail, <laughs> and uh, which is another great name for a cop. I mean, that's right out of a, uh, a Die Hard movie right there. Right. But yeah, they're... And, you know, these guys, it's it's more or less more set up. There's more action going down. One of the cops, um, he's just a lone wolf kind of guy. And he, in a way, idolizes Frank. And he wants to take him down. And, again, we'll see him in Suicide Run. So it's all... I'm, oh. I, I'm sorry if I keep on alluding to that. But this whole uh, vigil, it'll end in Suicide Run. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll all come to a culmination there. Um, but this three-issue series is great. And that's kind of how you look at these ones, with the first uh, Euro hit being a seven-issue series and this one being a three-issue series. Um, I'd, even, whole... I'd even go so, so far to say that the, the two issues before this, um, five it, it's kind of a five-issue yeah, story. Yeah. Like, they, the, those first two that set up these three, like, it's... I liked this part of the story better than Euro Hit. And Euro Hit was really good, but this part was yeah. just really, really well done. And so this one issue where Frank is uh, he's infiltrating this place called The Warehouse, which is a major cocaine uh, manufacturing operation, seeing this side of Punisher, something that, I, that you didn't see in Euro, in Euro Hit at all. It's like he's yeah. going in and investigating. He's casing the joint. He's finding out exactly what he needs to do um, before he does it. And there's very little, there's no action in this, uh, there's no Punisher action in this, um, yeah. in this issue at all. And we should point out, this is back to Abnett and Lanning doing the writing. So uh, we did have a little bit of an interlude with... Um, no, we didn't. Or, no, they, were they, oh, they were in on 73 or 71 and 72. Yeah, they were. Yep. Oh, my mistake. Okay, that's why. So yeah, I was wondering, okay, it flows, it does flow very well then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really nice. Man, and the one scene where Recoil takes the, I, I don't know, the the one survivor that Frank was chasing who squeals about the warehouse, he takes him and, like, sticks his head into <laughs> helicopter blades. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so at the end of this one, Frank has his plan. His plan is going into action, and it leads into the next issue issue number 74 this is the issue that i mentioned at the beginning that i had as a kid 
that I apparently okay. I remember this cover very 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 well, <laughs> but the inside I don't think I ever read it, but it is really great. The, it's just uh, again another really exciting exciting issue where Frank goes in and takes down this entire warehouse by himself. Yeah. He has he knows what he needs to do. There's an incredible battle between Recoil and Punisher where they're just basically going there's just like fist fighting. And it's like it's it's like how many pages is this? One, two, three, four. It's five pages and there's very, very little dialogue and it's so yeah. exciting. I love it. Yeah, this is one of the greatest uh, issues of the collection. I, I totally agree. And the way that Recoil meets his demise is just crazy. Um, you know, we he just keeps coming back from the dead, and then Frank will have nothing of it, and then he just he finally disposes of him, and it, the building blows up, and uh, and Frank kind of walks out, and uh, there at the end, you know, he's he's covered by Vigil at the very end. Um, he is kind of taken prisoner. And that leads us to uh, issue 75, the the anniversary issue. Now, what's interesting about this is this 75, and I actually have uh, three or four copies of this one. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but this was a chromium cover. Oh, yeah. uh, so wherever we see um, it in uh, gray tones in, in, the, in the title on the cover and the number 45, or uh, 75, my mistake, the knife was foil. Um, and even his face was foiled. And if uh, if any of you are reading uh, Valiant Comics, uh, it looks an awful lot like Shadow Man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that face yeah. of Frank. Right well, there. I feel like so, they're trying sure. to, the way that the shadows lie on his nose and stuff, they're trying to make his face look like hit the skull in his shirt. Look like the skull. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Nice when I turned, I turned to it, I'm like, oh my God, that's Shadow Man right there. But uh, another great cover. So, yeah, this is where uh, kind of police action um, kind of wraps it up. Again, just a, a major fight between Frank and and the police team. I and mean, recoil it, it, again. Recoil's back. That's right. He's back. And the and the the, two, the double page spread on uh, 344 and 345 with the helicopter explosion. Yeah. And everything on is so just nice. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and then Frank has a fight on a helicopter and he has a fight like uh... <laughs> oh one thing that I wanted to mention I'm a big fan of old cartoons classic cartoons uh, yeah. I love them like old Warner Brothers and whatever um, oh right absolutely yep. this guy Recoil is constantly referencing um, lo old Looney Tunes like throughout this entire thing and in this Road one Runner, yeah, uh, yeah yep. Roadrunner and stuff and, and in this one when he's flying on his helicopter He's on page number 353. He says, catch that pigeon. It's a reference to an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon called Dastardly and Muttley in their flying machines. And on the next yeah. page, when he says, nab him, grab him, scrag him, bag him. Those are lyrics from the theme song of the show. And on 355, when he says drat and double, double drat, that's actually the catchphrase of the main character, Dastardly, in that show. So, yep. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how many people remember that show or not. It's a little bit obscure these days, but I found that kind of amusing. And then That's All, folks, is Porky Pig. Of course, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, this was a, a well-laid-out operation. Just the whole three issues from start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. the, it just, all of the parts fit together perfectly into this really, really nice picture. 
And when we get to that climax, when the Punisher is about to kill the Master of Crack and Rusty Nail, <laughs> saying all these Rusty names is just rid- ridiculous. But um, he has to come up with a, like, Punisher's going to kill this guy. But Rusty Nail's like, no, you got to follow the law. And Punisher finds the workaround. He gives the gun to the bad guy. And so the um, Rusty Nail, the police officer, has to shoot the master of crack in, in self-defense. And that's how Punisher gets around the law. I thought that was just a brilliant move as well. Yeah. No, that was wonderful. And we knew, we kn- and the thing is that we know that Rusty Nail really wanted to kill this guy too. He really did. But he had to, he had to bring him in. Like he had to kind of follow the law and stuff like that. But Punisher gave him the excuse uh, to be able to kill him. So it was, uh, it's just a, it's a very interesting viewpoint on the way the police work the way the justice system works and, and, you know, the loopholes that, that you can um, exploit in order to get what you want. Yeah. This really goes to even, you know, and he, and, and rusty nails, he kind of blames Frank for, even letting him do that you know because he didn't he he's not a killer he is a cop but he knows you know if he doesn't kill him that it's just going to get worse he'll get out he'll beat the rap yeah and everything so he still blames frank at the end right yeah so they you know so they both going into the the later stories will have mutual respect for each other okay which will which will help out um in the long run so there are a couple of backup stories but what's because... great oh sorry yeah go ahead. yeah no, I was gonna say the backup stories. The first one, uh, for because it was an anniversary issue, it was, it was a little bit bigger. It had ten extra pages. Uh, the first one is Bar Wars, uh, which is a six-page story uh, where Frank is going into um, meet up with Ziggy, who he knew on Rikers Island, uh, and apparently he broke his nose. Uh, and I went back to the original five-issue miniseries when Frank was on Rikers thinking that Ziggy would appear, uh, but he did not. So okay. maybe he, uh, he beat up Ziggy off-panel. That's all been. I could think of. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ziggy never shows, uh, but a bar fight breaks out, as you would expect, uh, with a title called Bar Wars. Um, and I'm not sure if Ziggy ever showed up again. Yeah, it's probably just a, just a just one-off, one-off character for yeah. the story here. It was just a... There's nothing too fancy about this one, except it's just... um. Uh, the art is a little mediocre compared to what we've been experiencing here, even though it's Val Mayerick, who yeah. is, a, is a, yep. you know, he's a fairly competent guy. But when you compare him to what we've just been experiencing with Doug uh, Braithwaite, it doesn't even, doesn't even hold a candle. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the second story here, Flare Up, was, <laughs> this one is, is um, like he, he stumbles into a cocaine uh, plant that is being run by a bunch of incompetent people and he just takes them all out mm-hmm. a very Sam Keith kind of style artwork going on here a lot lots of uh, lots of detail in the shadows and and but a little cartoony at the same time and what is with this like Batmobile tumbler style Punisher vehicle at the end here <laughs> right well if you know your Batman it would remind you of the Batmobile and the cult because that's what it reminded me of, this oh, yeah. giant-ass uh, Batmobile. But I, I, I love the high-collar, uh, white gloves, giant knife. And I, we should mention that um, the art here is done by Simon Beasley. And I really, really like Simon Beasley. And this is so over the top. The muscles on Frank are just, yes. you know, they are reminiscent of 
Rob Liefeld's, you know, over the top muscles, yeah. you know, that sort of thing on cable. Right. In fact, he looks kind of like a cable when he's walking around. He's just massive. You know, this tiny head and these massive muscles. It just doesn't make any sense. Definitely not uh, an interpretation uh, we hilarious. usually see. Yeah, he's so good. No, 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 no. But this was, I mean, I read this story like three times because you can read, it's only four pages. And it was a lot of fun. So, and I love the guy on the bike next to him says, hey, Mac, have you seen the Punisher around here? <laughs> like, you know, that was really, really funny. But his truck is just so over the top. It really is. So. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of the regular issues in this book. The last yep. two are the one shots. And I think, so Die Hard and the Big Easy and G-Force, they were regular comic size one shots, right? Yeah, I believe so, yes. And then Spinning Doomsday Web was actually part of the, the Marvel graphic novel line of, of hardcover books. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So this issue is written by John Wagner, and um, I really like John Wagner. I have only read a little bit of his stuff, um, but uh, like I've read some of his Judge Dredd stories, and, uh, and, but one of my favorite comics is called Button Man. Uh, from 2000 AD, that magazine, and it's just fantastic. It's a kind of a future story where people are play are are sent to this kind of life and death entertainment um, uh, reality TV show, and he has to kill or be killed. That kind of situation, and it's really really great. It's fantastic. So, and I didn't know that John did a work for Marvel, but uh, I went on I I went on Comic Book DB, and apparently, yeah, he actually has done a lot of work for Marvel over the years, editing and, mm. and, and uh, writing and even drawing a little bit too. So in this one, Die Hard and the Big Easy, Punisher heads over to New Orleans to break up a coke ring that's owned by this stereotype of an old white plantation owner. He's kind of a throwback to, to that kind of character. And his name is Mon Montserrat? Not exactly sure how to pronounce that one. But he has hired this villain called the Mortician. The Mortician, yeah. And he's the Mortician is supposed to take out Punisher. So it's quite striking. Um, they really hook you in at the beginning here because the Mortician has taken out the Punisher and has him tied up in a coffin and is burying him alive. Now that's like one of society's greatest fears. If you look up like what are the most feared things in the world, <laughs> being buried alive is one of them. So great start. I really liked this this uh, graphic novel I thought it was um, it's not as out there as the as G-Force it's kind of just told kind of straight ahead it's um it's laid out very standard John Wagner doesn't um, he only puts in necessary dialogue mm -hmm. which I like as well yep. it, there's a, there's um, very very sparse on the dialogue he lets the art and the, sto the story really carry it and I think that's fitting for a lone wolf like Punisher he doesn't even do overdo it with the inner monologue or anything like that. So I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, I like how they did the. Um, I like the flashback. That's something we don't really see a whole lot in any Punisher. Uh, is you know Frank is there and he's in a lot of trouble in the coffin, uh, ready to get buried alive and everything like that. And you then they flash back to New York. So you got to kind of figure out how he got there. Yeah, yeah. You work your way up to it. You work your way up to it. And what was nice is the reveal. Uh, doesn't happen, you know, many times that is the the first page is also the last page, which is really not the case. It's almost like the the, the crescendo in a way 
and then we see Frank get out, and then he kind of goes after Mortician. So right. it's it's not uh, so. There's more to the story than just him getting out of the coffin, kind of thing. You know, we touched on continuity earlier in the show, and I just wanted to mention that uh, the placement for this story is actually between uh, Punisher sixty three and Punisher sixty four on both the the Marvel Universe Index uh, and that one Punisher Chronology website. Uh, that I mentioned earlier. So okay. I thought that was kind of interesting how um, two sources place it in between issues, but here we have it after the Euro hit storyline. Well, well after. Well after, yeah. It, yeah, because it takes place before uh, Euro hit, but here it takes place after in, in the Epic Collection. So, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. What, what continuity-wise in this book makes it pl- come after issue 64? Um, that is a very good question. I do not know, um, but yeah, that's. I thought that was. Yeah, you you bring up an excellent point because it, it's kind of a self-contained story. I, reading through it, I don't see any reason why it couldn't go here. Or I'm I'm sorry. Um, yeah, sixty four. So it actually takes place. Uh, where is it? Um, di- oh, I'm sorry. Dire to the Big Easy takes place b- between sixty three and sixty four. So yeah, after yeah, sixty three and sixty four. So right before Euro hit. But I don't know why it would uh, it would have that. Maybe because there's just a a little bit of a lag before he goes over to Europe. Because you know when when we when we look at the continuity, uh, Frank is already in Europe pursuing somebody. Right. And then he goes home to the grocery store story, and then he goes back over to Europe again? Right. So this takes place after the grocery store. Okay. Right. So, yeah. that's. I mean, it's neither here nor there, but it's. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, it is so, interesting. There is there is kind of a time lag. Yeah. But anyway, you know, that's no big deal. Um, but, yeah, I like the story. You know, going back to um, the voodoo angle is always something weird, I think. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Frank... The only reason why I didn't like the story as well, as opposed to, you know, the drug lord. Even though the first story, G Force, is so far out there, um, it was it was drug lords, it was kingpins, and Doomsday's Web is more of a shield story, which I can see Frank in for sure being military. But this one being voodoo and mysticism, it's really weird. It you know it's almost like when when Frank teams up with um, with Doctor Strange. Or someone like that. It's like it, he's really out of his element. Yeah. And you know, and that's that's kind of the. But it's it's interesting. It's more. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. But it's just not the way I like to see Frank. But the thing is, here in this story, the mortician claims that he can bring people back to de- from the dead, but we don't actually right. see it. Is we he don't. the real deal? There is a sense of supernatural in the story, but it's yeah. never actually shown. Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, so I don't know if um, it is kind of odd that Frank would be in this, this kind of voodoo world and whatever, but um, it seems like it's just a charade for mo- for the most part anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I wonder, I always wonder if the people in New Orleans, um, when whenever they read stuff like this, if they're bothered <laughs> by stereotypes. Um, yeah. If the whole voodoo thing is like, if they're tired of that, like, why can't you write a story about New Orleans that doesn't have anything to do with voodoo um, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff? Um, yeah. Because I never know. And like Disney recently did the Princess and the Frog movie. And yeah. again, it's the same same thing. In fact, the mortician is pretty much the Dr. Facilier 
character <laughs> the same same guy like he wears the the hat and everything yeah, and, and another stereotype is, you know, in, in this day and age, in 2018, I doubt we would get the the white southern plantation, right. uh, you know, very racist overtones in there, for sure. Yeah. But that's, that's but they did that in the in the late 80s and, and early 90s still. You know, they, they dressed up in the old school and, right. and that's what they did. So, but I don't think we'd, we'd never see a comic like that these days. I don't think so. Not, uh... I mean, he's painted as the bad guy, so maybe it's okay or something. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's just odd. I mean, we have the riverboat with all the white rich guys, and then we yeah. have the black band playing in the background, their banjos. and Exactly. Very, you know, we wouldn't, you know, if that were to came out today, I don't, you know, I think. Uh, I think we're a little you know, more sensitive there, yeah. Back, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, my favorite line in the entire book is in this here, in this one, uh, on page... 425 <laughs> I was just looking at that Punisher the, the Punisher's <laughs> taking all these guys and the guy busts in the room Punisher but you're dead correction you are, you are. <laughs> and then he takes them out oh man there's so many great one liners in this one the other one I like yeah. is when he's um, on his motorcycle driving through like across a border and he's like nothing to declare <laughs> as he's shooting people <laughs> yeah that was good too that was awesome I also like um, just turning the page on 426, that two-page spread of him fighting the mortician, lots of reds and yellows and oranges with the fire in the background. That really yeah. is a fantastic effect. And you're a colorist guy, so what? How do you? What's your take on that? Well, I I think it's great. It, it totally evokes the mood because the rest of the book, in fact, the rest of the book uses color to great effect. Uh, the rest of this story because. Uh, because we're in such a moody place. So we get very good contrast between some of the, like, if you go to page 394, mm -hmm. um, where they're using a lot of the blues to indicate the, the night and um, with these bright red or bright yellow panels to show off like um, gunfire and that kind of thing. I think it's really cool. And then, yeah, the fire scene is really nice too. And I, I modern coloring doesn't quite do this the same way because a lot of the times they overlay just like a the the yellow or orange kind of light over top of the panel to give it the glow whereas mm -hmm. in this one they actually are choosing these colors and replacing like punisher is all yellow in that middle panel the, the characters are completely yellow they're not colored themselves with a yellow um, filter over top of it yeah I, I think it's i think it looks really great yeah so um this one, uh, you know, kind of, you know, Frank gets the bad guy, and he, he's back off to New York City. So uh, do you want to move into our next story? Sure. So this one is um, Punisher Black Widow uh, spinning Doomsday's web, uh, which we mentioned is part of the Marvel graphic novels. Uh, this was an interesting one. One, because Frank gets the headline here. It's Punisher and Black Widow. Uh, however, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you feel the same way or not, uh, this feels much more like a Black Widow story. You are not wrong about that at all. I was going to say the yeah. same thing. Punisher is kind of just stuck in this book, I think, maybe to sell it. Because yeah. he really yep. doesn't play a big role at all. In fact, if you took him out of the book, you could probably still have the same story. Yeah, and Frank doesn't even show until halfway through. Yeah. We have S.H.I.E.L.D., 
in a big setup of what's going on. In fact, a couple of S.H.I.E.L.D. secrets are revealed. And then Frank kind of shows up only because he and uh, Black Widow are in the pursuit of the, the same character. That's really about it. Yeah. Um, and then they're kind of forced to uh, to work hand in hand. They both know each other, but they both respect each other. And, uh, and yeah, so... They both help each other. They, they fight, of course. We knew a fight was going to happen. Yeah. But, of course, she can best Frank, and then they end up working together. I'm a little torn between D.G. Chichester. I, mm-hmm. I Sometimes I like his work, and sometimes I think he's a little... Um, he has so many ideas, and they don't get executed quite well. I found that with Fall from Grace. There's some mm-hmm. amazing ideas yeah. in there. Um, but the the exposition gets a little heavy. And in this one, the exposition in the first few pages, the first 10 pages or so of this book, is just enormous. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time. Like, I just keep on putting it down and picking it back up to get through, especially like page 446 to 450. Yeah, it does move kind of slow. It, yeah. it just really, really bogs it down because they are explaining the situation rather than showing us the situation. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if maybe we had a few pages that weren't all splash pages and you cut down on the panels that, um, or like broke up the page into a few more panels, we could have had some more room in the story to get, to get what was going on here. Cause it's a very complex plot. Um, there is a, a nuclear scientist who has, is now a serial killer and he's out of jail. He's broken out of jail and is attempting to reclaim the weapon of mass destruction that he helped build. So S.H.I.E.L.D. is sending Black Widow to go stop him. And all of that is explained in like five pages of really bogged down dialogue. And um, I, I, the rest of it after that kind of moves okay, but that's why I didn't really like this th- this uh, graphic novel as much as the other ones. Mm-hmm. I just thought, thought it was a little cumbersome. There's another interesting reveal. We mentioned um, Winter Soldier earlier, and uh, this is the first time that Black Widow meets um, Alexander Pierce, who was played by Robert Redford. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little twist, you know, to to add in. You know, you're always wondering when these characters are meeting each other or running into each other, and uh, and that was one of them. Of course, Alexander Pierce here is much different from what we saw with Robert Redford in the movie, for sure. Another thing is, you know, you kind of alluded to it, the dialogue. And I think that that's one thing that I am always struggling with as a comic book, uh, I guess, aficionado or reader over my many years. But is the the separation between art and words. You know, sometimes you have great writers and lousy artists. Other times it's the opposite. And sometimes just me as a person, I am not a uh, an, an artist, so maybe I can't appreciate it more, but I do, I read well, you know, if that makes sense. I, I know the use of language well. Okay. And, and so I am more drawn towards the words. So I'll, I'll easily read a comic book as I would a book, and then I'll go back and then read the pictures, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe I can appreciate it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the problem that I have though is that I know, like, I have no problem reading a um, a, a novel, like a prose novel, 
um mm-hmm. and but they they're written in a way for you to be able to comprehend it in that context reading it in that in that format in that medium but when you get to comics and i'm trying to read these huge word balloons that are loaded down with with picture yeah. uh, loaded down with words but i'm supposed to also associate it with the picture that's being shown like i'm i'm trying to interpret both of them i i am not just plowing through and reading just the words at the same time so when i get mm-hmm. to the, the page like on page 446 where it um i'd rather instead of having it just being talking heads i'd rather have the same dialogue but show me show me the the process or show me what what's the scientist's name i can't even remember um show me him uh building building the contraption or breaking out of jail and yeah. like that kind of thing because that would be i think a better effect a better use of the medium no i agree with that yeah and it's it's different it's interesting to see the, the different dynamics in these just looking at the the three graphic novels yeah. um separately because you've got one with explosive action right off the bat um in the first one and then the second one it's kind of like a mystery is going on and then here it's because shield is so heavily involved it's all espionage yeah and it's it's a chessboard this is a chessboard one uh which i thought was very cool i really really liked it so maybe that's why i liked uh winter soldier it's my favorite marvel movie and then mm-hmm. you know i like the espionage movies and 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 you know the tom clancy books and all that kind of thing so i kind of really relate to it and i love nick fury as a character as well yeah so yeah, well, and the back half of this book moves uh, along really nicely once they get uh, much into faster. The, yeah, into it does. Thing. Yeah, well, once the, yeah. once Frank gets involved, it moves much much faster. Yeah, I also appreciate because I I don't read a whole lot with Black Widow in it. I kind of just see her when she's like in the Avengers or that kind of thing. But I really liked the fact that she was making use of her spy skills in this in this book. <laughs> like really good use right. of them. Yeah. One other thing that I wanted to mention: if you like this story of uh their team up uh there is a movie called avengers confidential uh which is a uh an anime type movie called uh, avengers confidential black widow and punisher and it's not a adaptation of this story at all but there are definitely and there's more avengers in it than this one but there are definitely overtones that you can see between the interact the interaction between frank and uh and Black Widow. So I thought that was really cool. So okay. if you like that, then then pick up uh, that one as well. Yeah, pick up I, th- that I think it's well. on Netflix up here in Canada. So I think yeah, I'll it should be on Netflix. Check yeah. it out. So I, I I have to wonder. I haven't watched it, and probably since it came out in 2014. But I have to wonder if the uh, the creators of uh, Confidential went back to this as some type of source material. Yeah, maybe for their interaction. Well, I'll yeah. check it out and let you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's really good. Wow. So that brings us to the end of our book here. Any final thoughts about this collection as a whole? Yeah. Well, you want to touch on the the little extra that we have from the Marvel Year in Review? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a little extra. Again, we we're covering years ninety two to ninety three, and there is a Marvel Year in Review ninety two. And the cover art was done by John Romita Jr. Yep. And it's Frank looking all mean, having his uh, 9mm out, and he's shooting somebody. And then uh, we kind of, on the the next page, get a little uh, blurb of 
who Frank is and what he's all about. You know, we've kind of seen these before, you know, his origin written in prose form. And then we have a create your own hot new Marvel character. And it's kind of like a, <laughs> yeah. a, a Mad Libs of, a, you know, choose your own story kind of thing, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. It is so funny. I wonder why they put that in your there. your name <laughs> and uh, the title, even the Stanley Presents um, and your, your superhero name, which is kind of cool. Right. And then you flip it and you have a couple of different parody advertisements. Um, mm-hmm. One for transit system, uh, transit security, another for uh, a roach spray. <laughs> it's great. There are a few different Epic collections that have parody ads in them, and they're always fun. So it's a yeah. little light on the extras in this book. So it's interesting you say that. Are there more extras in the other Epic collections? It varies from collection to collection. Um, some of them, like um, the Craven's Last Hunt, has like 30 pages worth of wedding-related bonus features. Really? And, wow. Like there's a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of them include more covers or original art. This one doesn't have any original art in it, which is un- unusual. And uh, yeah, covers to other trade paperback versions of these stories. And this one is quite light but uh, light on bonus features, but heavy on content. It's still crammed, packed full of stuff. It's a good volume. I, Like I said at the beginning, I'm not a Punisher fan. I've watched the Netflix show, and I quite enjoyed it, but I was actually really surprised at how much I enjoyed this book. So, and, I, and I don't know if that's because it's Abnett and Lanning, so I'm eager to dive into another Punisher to, Punisher volume to see if I like it just as much. Yeah, I'm I'm interested too. I, I like I said in the beginning, I really like these um uh this format. I think it works well. I you see DC to get into it with their big trade pair books. I know they're doing like Nightfall and those sorts of books uh, yeah. in their applications. Uh so it's great to see. So Well, when's the next time you're gonna be on the show, Chris? I think the second volume of Punisher, volume two, comes out in December, so maybe early in the next year we can tackle that volume. I would love to be on the next one. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah, it's going to be a volume two, Circle of Blood. You're right. Collecting the miniseries, one through ten, Daredevil, two fifty seven, uh, and Marvel graphic novel, Assassin's Guild. So that was the the first graphic novel that they did. Nice. So that's a great one. So that was a soft cover one as well. So great. Yeah, I'm looking forward awesome. to that. To, to explore the pretty much not the origin but the beginnings of Punisher when he kind of really came into his own had his own series so i think that'll be a lot of fun yeah if anybody's interested if i can do a shameless plug um sure i did a uh, i reviewed the marvel omnibus of the punisher the the first uh the classic punisher um that includes all the early stories and uh, circle of blood as well and you can find that on youtube just look for punisher uh, omnibus in my name uh, chris marshall and you'll be able to find that well, I'll find it. And that's and like I'll... 45 minutes long. That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I'll watch it in preparation for this upcoming volume. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. So, Curtis, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. I'm just happy to be able to walk through these volumes with someone who has knowledge of, of the character and a love for the character as well. It makes it so much more enjoyable. So thanks, Chris, and we will catch you all on the next episode. <laughs>